Payne West Insurance is here for you because we know when you call, it's important. When a storm blows through, it's not just your house, it's your home. We know that your small business isn't actually small, it's everything. Understanding our clients' and communities' needs is the beginning of providing better insurance. We know these things because we live them every day. We got you because we get you. Payne West. Chambercast, the Billings Chamber of Commerce's podcast. I'm your host, Mariah Pennington, and this week we have a very special episode for you in honor of Small Business Appreciation Week. We are on location at Zest, and I'm going to learn how to cook a steak like a pro with our guest Shane Flowers with Ranch House Meats, and Shreve Scampi with our guest Margie Jodry, owner of Zest Billings right here in downtown Billings. So why don't we get started by you guys introducing yourselves and telling us a little bit about your business so that our listeners have a better idea of what's going on. And we can start with you. Fantastic. I am Margie Jodry, co-owner and uh, managing member here down at Zest Billings in beautiful downtown Billings. We are a kitchen and cookware and specialty food store. We carry everything from um, your pots and pans down to the tiniest little gadgets. We try to carry those hard to find specialty ingredients. If you've been all over town looking for something for a recipe and you can't find it, please come try us. We probably have it. If not, I'll probably want to get it mm -hmm. for you. And we also offer cooking classes here. Yeah, I didn't know that you guys did that. I came in once and I was, or I was talking to you on the phone and someone said, you said, we do charcuterie boards and we do a class where we teach you how to do it. And I was like, no way, that would be so cool. So, They're super fun. We yeah. have a couple classes a month. Knife skills is every single oh. month. That's our most popular nice. class because you got to learn how to use your knife safely in the kitchen. Um, and you learn a lot of great basic tech cooking techniques uh -huh. in that class. And then we just do a variety of different classes throughout the month, different cooking styles, um, different skill levels as well, so that you can pick something that's going to be fun and entertaining yeah. and educational for you. Yeah, cool. I didn't know you guys did knife skills. Do you also teach you how to pick out the right knife? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that's my problem. I mean, we always say that the best knife is the one that feels good in your hand. Oh. So we have, you know, all of our knives that we sell in the store, we'll pop them out of the case. We're going to let you feel them. She's, she's holding up a I I'm like trying out all the knives right now. Like this, I like the giant one. Of course. I mean, who doesn't? Reminds me of a horror a good film. Stuff. Uh, those are nice, heavy duty knives. We have some that are more lightweight. Yeah. That sometimes, you know, people with smaller hands like. Yeah, but that makes sense. Yeah. Well, well and different things you're cutting take different knives. So. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I'm, we're going to learn so much today. I'm super excited. Okay, Shane. Tell us about Ranch House Meats. Tell us all about it. All right, uh, Shane Flowers, Ranch House Meat Company, Ranch House Sausage Company in Pure Montana Meats. So uh, our company, we've been, Tanya and I've been in it for 15 years. Um, we started out just as a small plant out in Shepherd. Um, grew, we knew we wanted to get product into Billings, so we worked really hard at that. 2014, we put a store on Grand. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, 2019, I think we put a store over on 32nd and King. And so we took it off Grand, put 
it over on 32nd King, which is great traffic for us. Um, we do everything from hoof to package. So, you know, what our claim to fame is probably more than anything is our value added products. Uh, you know, the farmer and rancher does a great job of raising beef and yep. we, we do a great job of trying to get that out to people in a fresh manner. But uh, then we take the value added side of that and really expand on that and making a great deal of snack sticks, sausages, summer sausages, jerky, bacon, uh, custard steak strips. I mean, we have a whole line of products that we uh, sell and uh, distribute all over. Uh, we were just actually in Indianapolis last weekend at a, a distribution show, so trying to pick up some distributors on the eastern side of the United States as well. So continually trying to wow. grow our brand and That's expand incredible. Montana products out into the rest of yeah. the country. Because um, if you live in a big city, uh, what sounds better than eating the beef that came from Montana, right? So yeah. um, we're just trying to consistently expand that uh, website. Just went live here a few months ago, so we're really trying to grow the, the shop side of our website, getting a lot of products moving all across country and we get uh, orders out of Texas, Florida, uh, New York, Chicago. I mean, we've got Texas or uh, product going all over the United States right now with that kind of stuff. So that's it's kind of fun. That's incredible. So are you guys shipping like truckloads of stuff or are we just like a person call, like calls you or, or goes to your website, order something specifically and you ship it right to them? Or both? So we do both. Okay. Yeah. So like we've uh, worked with the three big players in town, U.S. Food, Cisco oh, and okay. uh, Shamrock Foods, yeah. moving product with their with those guys we've got a distributor for our snack sticks jerky and stuff like that in wyoming uh, we've got a distributor here in montana that moves snack sticks jerky and those kinds of things of course we self-distribute some of that stuff as well but then we also go out on the website is mostly for individuals that want yeah. to put something in their freezer you know you get into these big cities they don't have deep freezes like we do here in montana where yeah. you put a half a beef in or whatever they just got the one right over their refrigerator right at the bottom of their refrigerator that's all they've got so they've get you know a two week supply at a time is, is kind of what wow. most of those guys are doing they're living in apartments and whatnot so okay. they just buy you know 10 20 pounds yeah. of product and get some by for a little while and and uh, hopefully a reorder so okay oh my i have so many questions for both of you but i feel like we should to cook while I ask you the questions. So I, I feel like let's get started, but I want to know, like, how do you, if I were to walk into ranch house meats, because I haven't walked in there because I, it's a little intimidating. I'm, I'm like, I just go to the grocery store and buy, I don't really know what I'm looking for half the time. So I know that sounds bad to all those people who know how to make beef really well, but I don't. So what do you look for? Like, what, what's it like if I come in and I'm like, help me pick something out? Well, that's the beauty of coming to Ranch House, right? I've got skilled people there that understand the cuts, everything. So they're right up there. Yeah. We, Tanya and I grew this out of the ambition of you feeling comfortable walking in. We can give you as much information as possible to, okay. make, to make your experience as good as we can. So we've got some great people in there that do um, a phenomenal job at selling to you. We want it really yeah. to be comfortable because usually it is the the woman of the house that comes and buys food for the house, right? So we yeah. want them to be comfortable as much or more than anybody. Yeah. So when they come in the door, we want to be able to give them our opportunity. And really, we want you to understand what you're buying. So like I brought a ribeye steak today, which is a fattier steak, has more marbling, higher yeah. flavor levels. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's for everybody. You know, some people can't handle that kind of fat or don't want that kind of fat in their diet. So we'll turn them more to a New York steak or a tenderloin steak or a sirloin steak or something to that effect that has a little less fat. Yeah 
flat marbling to it. Uh, Ribeye is obviously the biggest seller. It's got the most flavor and tenderness of all, well, tenderloin has the most tenderness, but the most flavor out of all the steaks. So it is our, our best seller and uh, it, it is a great product, but um, we can definitely help you with any of your purchase decisions. I'm literally going to have to go back and listen to this after it is published so that I can go, okay, now he said this, take a note, write it down. Okay. Before we started, Jack, our producer asked you a question about this steak and wanted to know why it looks thinner than like those gigantic three inch ones that you find at the restaurant. So, so first of all, I, I did purposely brought a thinner steak because we were, you know, doing this, yeah, yeah. Okay. you know, it, it, with a group of people and I wanted to make sure that we had time to get it cooked and everything yeah, went, went smoothly. Um, for me personally, I do like an inch and a quarter steak is generally the way we have ours cut, which is getting you more into a 16 ounce steak. This is a 12 ounce steak, okay. which is more realistic for most individuals. Yeah. Most individuals are not going to eat more than 12 right. ounces of steak. So those big thick ones you see on TV, that's yes. all for show. Yes. In my opinion, <laughs> very few of us, I probably eat more than I should guaranteed, but very few of us are going to finish yeah. a steak that's weighing in at 24, 26 ounces, yeah, which sense. is where those steaks are going to come in at. So, um, and the cookability is a lot easier on a thick steak like that because I'm more likely to overcook this steak here than I am a thick steak. A thick steak, it gives me yeah. more time. There you know, you if yeah. I run in the house for uh, the sides and do something yeah. over there, it, it isn't already done it's when done. I come back out, right? So, so it gives you a little bit of leeway okay. when you're dealing with a thicker steak as well. Do you guys sell seasonings and stuff for your meats? We do, yeah. We have our own branded seasonings and then we carry other uh, branding of seasonings. Honestly, if we were to get into that, Tanya, you'd have to go into that because I don't even know how many different seasonings yeah. we have, oh, but we have a bunch because we, okay. we want people to cool. taste what they want to taste. Okay, so. yeah, that's cool. Uh, Marguerite, where did you get your shrimp today? So this morning I went down to Seafoods of the World, which is another wonderful locally owned business here in Billings. And after I picked out my shrimp, I asked them, why would I, why would I want to come here, take this special yeah. trip to this place that, you know, only sells seafood as opposed to just going to the grocery store. It's yeah. a lot like visiting ranch house meats yeah. instead of just picking up your steak at the grocery store. And really they had, you know, two main things that were very compelling to me if I hadn't already been an avid customer of theirs. Right. So first of all, they are the primary wholesale supplier for seafood for the Billings area, which means that they are turning product much faster. Oh, yeah. You know what matters the most with seafood? Fresh. Freshness. <laughs> and the second thing is, you know, we were standing in front of this case of shrimp and there were literally like 12 different types of shrimp in there. And you're like, so which one, which one do I pick? How do I know which one exactly. to pick if you're at the grocery store, they're probably only going to have like one to mm -hmm. two options yep. for each type of seafood. If even that, it might not be the right thing for the recipe that you're cooking. Yeah. So when you go down to the seafoods of the world, and this is really true of every local business, the reason you're going there is for the customer service Absolutely. and for the knowledge. Exactly what Shane was yep. saying about, we're going to help you pick out the right steak for what you're cooking and for who's eating it and for quantities. And same with us as well. When we're talking to you about what type of cookware where to use, yeah. what type of knife to yeah. use. Yes, you can absolutely buy a knife online. You won't get to feel it beforehand. Mm -hmm. You won't know if you like how it feels in yeah. your hand and you won't know if it's the knife right, ni right knife for the job. Yeah. So always think that going that and visiting sense. a local business is going to get you better service and what you want mm -hmm. in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay, so we have some shrimp and we have some steak. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the cooking station over to Shane so that he Ooh. can 
Shane's gonna work his magic. Do this beautiful steak that I'm, I'm salivating over. So we're preheating the pan. Um, realistically, we wanna get this pretty warm. Um, we'd really like to get a good sear on this uh, steak as we get going and then hopefully turn it back down when we're done. Yeah. So, um, and, and kind of a slow cook after that. So it's real fast, get a good sear on the steak, then turn it down. Um, and, and that's what we're gonna do in this case. A lot of times what we'll do is we'll get a good sear on the steak, take that uh, skillet off, throw it in the oven at uh, 300 degrees or whatever, let it finish cooking off in there for another eight minutes or whatever mm -hmm. until you get to the temperature that you're desired yeah. eating it at. So um, realistically, we're just going to... Uh, How do you know what temperature you want it at? Looks like a set temperature. The, the steak. Like medium or medium rare. Yep, yep, a lot of it. And you can look that up on online. So uh, a lot of times I'll take a steak and I'll just do, uh, say, 125 to 130 degrees and let it rest. Because especially okay. you get into those thicker steaks, when they are resting, they're going to come up in temperature, right? So even at 130 degrees, by the time it's all said and done, you're at 140, so you're probably gonna be a medium or just a little bit yeah. over. Um, so and in our house, you know, we don't have a lot of medium rare eaters at our house. I will, but most of the rest of my crew is more of a medium kind of a, a deal. So, um, um, people who are beef connoisseurs, to the letter will say, when I ask them, how do you want your steak cooked or how do you like it best? They all say medium. None of them say medium, medium rare. Ranchers I've interviewed, people who are in the ag industry, like they all say medium. So it's just us noobs that want to eat it medium rare, right? Uh, no, actually. <laughs> all the people who go to restaurants that say, I want it, if I you want were, it. If you were to deal with like uh, chefs and whatnot, a lot of those guys are gonna be medium okay. to medium rare. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people I know are gonna go medium rare. Uh, it's juicy, it's tender. Mm. Um, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't have the feel of raw still, you know, where the yeah. rare is gonna be more yeah. of a raw feel to it. So he's putting so, salt and pepper on it. Yep, and you can season it with whatever you want. It really depends on your uh, preferences, right? Yeah. So, only. Yep, I put butter in there. I like butter. I mean, olive oil is actually a pretty good product to use on this kind of stuff too, because it gives you some flavor with that olive oil. And yeah. there's some great local olive oil companies in town as well. So, um, you know, that's a great deal. But I like butter. <laughs> Butter's a good flavor. Um, you Who know, so. Like butter? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, to me, throw it's. Throw some bacon in there. We're good. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a yeah. little bit of some mushrooms, a little bit of garlic. I can't believe. If we had more time, we'd be making a pan sauce after this. <laughs> oh, I. See, now I have to come yeah. to with some cooking it's just, classes. It's a trick everyone yeah. needs to know how to do. Yeah. So I didn't have the skillet quite hot enough, so I'm not going to get a quick sear like I was kind of hoping, but it'll be all right. We'll get it uh, kind of up here and see what we can do with it as far as that goes. You can still get a good steak out of it no matter how you do it. You know, that sear just kind of yeah. holds the juices in a little bit more. Yeah. So when you uh, cut into that steak, them juices are still in there. And doing it this way, they can kind of um, run out into the pan a little yeah. bit if you don't have a solid sear on it. But if you're only going to a medium, medium rare, you're still going to uh, have a juicy steak, right? So. And, and I strongly encourage people, you and I were talking about it, I think when we weren't on mic, and I, I strongly encourage people to use a thermometer. I mean, I think a lot of people are disappointed, especially pork chops or chicken, because oh, they're afraid yeah. it's not going to be cooked enough and they're gonna get sick off of it. Yep. So they're way too careful on it and they overcook it. So if you use a thermometer, you know, if, if all else fails and you just wanna get it fully cooked, but not overcooked, mm -hmm. 100, 158 will kill any bacteria on that steak. So. Okay, so Montana beef question. Do, can you tell the difference between the, the meat that you're selling, this Montana beef, and just like some other beef? Like, 
For sure. I mean, I, mean, there I, a difference? I, I think without a doubt, right? Um, the, the nice thing about the Montana beef, I think the, the quality is there because a lot of these Montana feedlots, farmers and ranchers are shipping theirs off to the big packers, right? Yep. So not all of us local guys are getting their beef. So, uh -huh. the, so the quality, I wouldn't say is different, but they're also getting... And, well, I shouldn't say that because Montana takes a lot of pride in it, right? So yeah, exactly. those farmers and ranchers are doing a great job. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't want to make it sound like you're not getting any better. But we, we hang them for, say, 7 to 14 days before we cut them. And those big packers are never doing that. It's, it's always like a 48-hour period. So there's a lot more... Um, they, they haven't quite dried up and got that kind of dry aging effect to them that you do on that 14 day run. Okay, so beef for dummies, sorry. Why why is hanging beef, why is that a thing? Like, why does that make it better? So, in, any, animal, any animal, including humans, is made up of mostly water, right? right. So if I hang it in the cooler, mm -hmm. most of that water kind of dissipates. So you're down to the proteins and the, the uh, what's okay. good for you. You take it in 48 hours, there's still a lot of water in there. You hear people talk about there's water in my burger. Well, it's because yeah. it, it never dissipated off yeah. the carcass. It wasn't because your grocery store added water to the burger. It's because yeah. it never dissipated okay. off in the cooler before they actually broke it down and sent it out to the grocery store. So okay. that's really what it boils down to. Right. And the aging process tenderizes it. So you'll get a more tender yes, cut out of it as well. Want, right? So, oh yeah, for I sure. To chew it like forever. Yeah. Like a, a cow chewing cut. Okay, so where do you get, where, where do you source your yeah, beef? That. Yeah, that looks, I'm so glad I didn't eat a big lunch. I specifically <laughs> did not eat a big lunch at my meeting so that I could, could have some of that steak. So, we, so where does it come from? A majority of ours comes from craft ranches out in Laurel. Um, they do an absolutely phenomenal job for us, but I do buy it from other guys here and there. I, I really don't go to any big feedlots. It's mostly farmers and ranchers. So like a rancher, he's got his buddy and his neighbor buying from him and this and that. Well, hey, I, I got three extra I didn't get sold. Yeah. Do you want to buy them from me? So okay. then we'll buy those from him as well, as long as I know the quality, because yeah. quality is a huge factor in our business. Mm -hmm. So if, if I know the customer and I know the quality is going to be good, then I'll go ahead and buy it from that customer as well. But uh, so it, it's really random. I, I really don't tend to go to the big feedlots. I just stick yeah, to kind of the local farmer rancher that's doing it right there in his own yard kind of deal. So. This is why you are who we are talking to for Small Business Association. Okay. Do you have a number on how much beef you actually purchase? Like, I don't know, in a, in a year, in a month, in a year. I don't know. So on average, I'm probably right around six to 700 head of cattle a year. Wow, and you're selling all of that. Yeah, I don't like storing it, so I have to sell it all. Yeah, you don't want to eat it on yourself. <laughs> no. <laughs> Make your neighbors and your family like, I yeah. got all this leftover steak, guys. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. We do. We yeah, do. Yeah, you could. On beef, we do that, and then hogs. We're probably four to five hundred hogs a year. Wow. That we we produce this for our own retail wholesale use, mm -hmm. and then we also do customer stuff yeah. too. So we also. Yeah. So actually, our numbers of actual processed animals is probably closer to a thousand to twelve. Okay. So. And all of your, I think you call them snack sticks. Yep. You, them? You, you guys make all that. We make all that. Yep. Yep. Bacon okay. snack sticks. We make everything that we sell other than spices and different things like that. But we make all of the uh, brats, snack sticks. Oh my gosh. Everything. See, so. now I feel so much better. I could come in there and be like, Hey, help me pick out a steak. 
this is my ability before I go to a cooking class at Zest. Like, this is what I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that awesome. Cool. All right. Well, this looks amazing. He's getting out the thermometer. Ooh, I like, is that thermometer from Zest? Yes. Oh. Um, so what he's using is an instant read thermometer. Um, we're gonna have two general classes of thermometers. We have instant read and then we have alarm based. So if you're slow roasting something in the oven, yes. you might wanna be able to set like, I need this to reach 250 degrees and you set yep. alarm and it goes off when it reaches that. Instant read is what you want when you're just temping a steak. Yeah. I also double check like the, the temperature on my alarm thermometer. Mm -hmm. I always double check that with an instant read oh, because metal yeah. is conductive. Yeah. It's gonna heat up right around where that metal mm -hmm. probe is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to read a little bit higher than yeah. say another part of the meat. So I keep both on hand personally. I find them to be really useful and we kind of have multiple different grades for both of those. Mm -hmm. So if you're someone who cooks a lot, you know, you're doing a ton of steaks, you want it to yeah. read real fast. You want it to be real accurate. We're going to probably recommend something different for you than yeah. it's just like, I've never done this before. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ever going to do yeah. it again. We're going to get you something that's just mm -hmm. entry, entry level maybe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We always try to carry here at Zest what we call good, better, best. Okay. So if you're just starting out in the kitchen, you don't know how much you're going to use something or how much value you're going to get out of it. You yeah. don't need the Cadillac yeah, of yeah. the, yeah. or the Ferrari of the thermometers. But if you're someone who cooks a lot, really knows what they want, we want to make sure that we have the highest performing, highest end options for you as well. Did you flip that over again and I missed I'm it? done, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Can I set it on there? Is that okay? Yeah, you can yeah. set it. Um, yeah, you can put the pan right on here and okay. and we'll let that, Sweet. we can let that rest. So I reached uh, 125 to 130 in the thick spot. Um, so like I said, this is a thinner steak, so it did cook super fast. Okay. And uh, so we're, we're probably gonna be in that medium range when everything's all said okay. and done, because you can hear it's still sizzling, yeah. so it's still cooking. Yeah. If you really wanted to stop that, you'd pull it off, put it on another pan. Um, it would still cook to a certain extent. The bigger the piece of meat, the longer it's going to sit there and cook as well. So if you're getting into a roast or something like that, um, better off getting that off and uh, mm -hmm. letting it set aside for 10 to 15 minutes before you serve it. So this might be, we might have to cut this out of the podcast if it gets too technical, but so when you go to the grocery store and it says, this is prime or this is whatever, where do those grades come from? And do you guys have to do that? Like when you get your beef, do you have to like grade it? And how's that work? No. So USDA is the only one that can truly grade that, right? Okay. So there's only one USDA grader in the state of Montana. So a company like mine to get the opportunity to get graded is not, there's no possibility for it. Got Let's it. put it that okay. way. So, okay. so I know what it looks like. I know what it should be. So the best I can tell you is this should be a choice, choice steak Got by it. my opinion. Okay. It's not a USDA graded choice steak because we processed, processed it all in house. We don't have a USDA yeah, grader there sense. to tell us that. Okay. So, um, but we obviously well, you know, know what we're doing. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty <laughs> you good. Know what it is. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, do you want to, should we taste yeah. it? Well, or do we want to wait? We'll let that rest okay. while we cook the shrimp scampi. No, but it looks so good. <laughs> You're going to have to wait okay. a little bit. I know right. it's wafting okay, at cool. me. So are you ready to get your hands a little dirty? Because sure, sure. I do have something that I need Yeah, I love getting with. hands dirty. Um, have you ever shelled and deveined shrimp before? 
God, no. Okay. You're like, <laughs> I wish y'all could see the look on her nope, face. Okay. Never done this. I will show you what you're doing. So I'm holding this shrimp between my thumb and forefinger in my left hand and my right hand is my dominant hand. And I've got my paring knife in that hand. And you'll notice that I'm not holding it way back here on the handle. Yeah. That does not give me enough control. I am actually pinching it just like I'm pinching my shrimp actually between my thumb and forefinger okay. as well on the blade. You don't need to be scared. This is going to be nice and safe. So I've, I've got a lot. I just haven't cooked shrimp. This so. is well, I'm not like a total newbie. I do know how to cook. You're gonna be but, able to okay, after okay. this. So I've got it so that the the head of the shrimp okay. is facing towards me okay. and up. And I'm going to insert the tip of my paring knife. The paring knife is pointing up as well yeah. into the shell. And I'm just gently kind of cutting it. Easy girl, easy girl. It's okay. <laughs> Never mind. All right. And so then oh I can just peel this off. And that's that, that, that gross thing that made you go, oh my God, what was that? Yeah, I don't. You? Yeah, I'm so you. glad you don't eat that. So now we're going to devein it. And um, what I'll tell you is hang on to your shrimp uh, shells because that's where like all of the flavor is. Really? And we're just going to pop this gross little vein out and all that is, is it's basically just sand in there. It's that really, helps. it's not as gross as you helps. think it might be. So ready to give it a try? Sure. All right. Shrimp in, are you left-handed? Right-handed? Right-handed. Right yep. So you want the, yep. You want the blade facing up. Perfect. Nice and smooth. Beautiful. Oh yeah, sure. Smooth. That's I don't me. know if mine was much better, so. <laughs> Yeah, you got it. Now you should be able to just peel that right off and pull the tail off. All right. This isn't as bad and as I... Some it's kind of gross. I'm not going to lie. But. Some people will leave the tails on when they cook their shrimp because, again, you're getting more of that flavor into whatever you're cooking. Just pull this off. Oh. Um, because we're doing a scampi where I would think we're, we're eating it more with a fork than with our fingers, I decided to take the tails off so you don't have to, like, get in there, pull the tail off, and then you can eat it. Oh, my gosh. There's so there much of that. You got okay. It. You got it. Okay. So I have already. Just hey, pop, you guys. I did it. it right I there. did it. You I'll got this. myself. You can um, do it too. I oh, we only had to do the. Oh, you did all the rest. I did all the rest. Oh, yep. <laughs> I did all the rest. I mean, it takes. It honestly, it takes a little while. So I just thought I would get that done for us, and you don't have to be too grossed out. Cool. Here's a little towel for you. Thank you. I okay. know it sounds like I'm such. A, thank you. My, po <laughs> my podcast thumbs, team is looking at me like, hey, great thumbs job. up you all around. Shrimp. So shrimp scampi is a super, super easy dish. Once you make it once, you should be able to make it from here on out. Okay, cool. I'm so, so excited. The only thing I've done beforehand is that I have taken all those sh shrimp shells that we that I already took off of the shrimp, mm -hmm. and I have boiled them with a little bit of white wine. Oh. And the reason yeah, I've done that wine. is because there's a ton <laughs> of flavor in oh. those shrimp okay. shells, and I don't want to lose it. So I've made kind of a seafood broth out of yeah. there. Okay. So and I you, have got. You just poured it in there. You didn't cook it. You didn't uh, cook no, it. I did. I I boiled it for like ten. Minutes. Okay. The way I have the recipe written, and oh, you can okay. put this in the show notes if you like, is that Sweet. you shell your shrimp first. You make your and you make your broth uh -huh. as you're doing everything else. Got so it. by the time you've got these next few steps done, yeah. your broth should be ready okay, to use. It infuses super, super quickly. So I have got a stainless steel pan. That's what I'm using for this one, and I am going to be using a lot of butter. 
Oh yeah. Two tablespoons of butter, two <laughs> tablespoons of garlic, all the good stuff. What is that? Olive oil? Olive oil. Okay. Or yeah, did I say, I said garlic. Two tablespoons of butter, two tablespoons of olive oil. Just more fat than you know what to do with. Yes. Um, Bring on the fat. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to let that butter melt and get kind of foamy. And then I'm going to add in our garlic. And the garlic only needs to cook for really like one minute. We're not trying to brown it or okay. get it crispy. We're just, we just want to get some of that flavor out of it. Now, is this kind of what someone bit. would expect if they were to come here to take a cooking class? Pretty similar. We do a mix of hands-on and demonstration okay. style. So there's some things that, that, because we don't have a cooking station for everyone, yeah, we'll just yeah. demonstrate for you. But we encourage you to come up front, okay. watch it nice yeah. and close, even, you know, say, hey, does anybody want to help me with this step? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, let that heat up for just another little minute or so. And then we do have classes that like are in June, we're doing a paella class that is completely hands-on. So we will have a cooking station. Every two participants will have a burner like this uh -huh. and they will cook their paella together. I'm sorry, I don't know what that is. Well, you'll have to come to class. It is, is it? It's a Spanish rice and seafood dish. Delicious. Oh, that sounds good. So what you're hearing right now is the water that's in the butter kind of cooking off and, and bubbling a whole bunch. So I think it's in a good place where I'm going to add my garlic and stir that around and saute that for that just a minute. no joke. On my amount of garlic. Amazing. Yeah, there. I put a lot of garlic in there. <laughs> I put a lot of garlic I in mean, there. If you're wondering, it's <laughs> a lot of garlic. Yep, and it's popping and splattering a yep. little bit. Um, yeah, it looks like it's kind of browning a yep, little. And that's it. I don't want it to go any further, so now I'm going to strain that broth into the pan. The shrimpy The wine shrimp broth. broth. And I'm going to add a couple of cranks of black pepper. I'm going to do a pinch of salt. Um, my recipe calls for red pepper flakes, but, but I didn't have any, so I'm actually using a New Mexican chili powder. That sounded really good to mm -hmm. me. It's pretty, it's pretty much on the mild side. Um, and I'm going to turn the heat up, and I am going to let all of that come to a simmer and reduce down a little bit. Okay. Um, we kind of want it to, to just thicken a little bit. We want that wine to get almost kind of syrupy. That's just going to take another two minutes or so, so I might be cutting some portions of this down to make it all in time. Well, how about you tell us a little bit yeah. about how you even got started? Like, where did oh the gosh. idea for this come from? How did you get this going? It came from my mom. I always oh, have to give ideas her credit. Come from your mom. I know. Um, well. I have to give her kids. a lot of credit. <laughs> You're like, yes, I am the smart one, kid. Um, my mom has always been my biggest champion, and from a very young age, she encouraged me to uh, go after my passions and what mm -hmm. I enjoyed doing. And, and sh what she enjoyed doing was feeding people. She's an oh. amazing home cook. I call her chef, even though she's not formally trained in any way. Yeah. But she was of that generation that grew up watching Julia Child's yeah. cooking yeah. show and learned these, what were at the time, like very esoteric French mm -hmm. hot cuisine techniques and then just use them on a daily basis. That's like, crazy. I have my cookbook and I look at it and yeah, go, I, it's a little big. It's, it's a big one. And I had no idea when I was a kid that like this wasn't yeah. normal, like that people didn't eat <laughs> like this every yeah. day. Um, so I was 
absolutely spoiled and grew up loving food and loving to cook myself. And um, a, a couple of years ago, we were talking as a family about what we might like to do as a joint business mm -hmm. venture. My background is in business and I knew that I wanted to, I want to be an entrepreneur. That's, yeah. you know, another thing that I love. And we were asking people what they thought we needed downtown and what was missing down here. And a lot of people kept saying, oh, well, we don't have, we don't have a cookware store anymore. And my mom was like, I really think we should open a cookware store. And I was like, nah, I don't want to do retail. That's, that's not me. And lo and behold, two years later, we opened a cookware store <laughs> and here I am doing retail. And what I've, what I've learned about it is a, actually, I love retail. Mm -hmm. It's, I love interacting with people yeah. through these products because what yeah. we're really doing is helping them have experiences and connect to people through food. Um, so yeah, it was her in the long run. And we and opened in September. The amount of product you have. I remember coming in when you <laughs> yeah. first opened compared to, to I mean, it's, it's you could spend hours in here. <laughs> it's it's like going into a, a really problem. cool library and you can't stop looking at the books. Yeah. Like I sometimes leave and I'm like, I don't How did I end up with this? Like, it's just cool. I, hopefully we'll know how to use it. But, but my daughter's super into just baking all kinds of interesting things. And so whenever she comes to town, we come and she buys something new. She makes fancy things like French eclairs. And I mean, she's That's always adorable. trying something new. Yeah. So we always have to come and buy something from Zest when she's in town. So. And I love that you are encouraging that in her and engendering that in her. And so often we have a family comes in and we, you know, we walk and say, Hey, can we help you find anything? The parents are like, I don't know. Yeah. Ask the little one. <laughs> They're the chef in the family. Like that, that younger generation is mm -hmm. enamored with yep. this stuff. And I, I love it. Our in-house chef here, Lisa Rembold, um, she has a, 10, I think her granddaughter just turned nine or 10, uh -huh. who's also really into cooking. And Lisa loves cooking with kids. Mm. Last night's knife skills class, we had a 10 year old in oh, the class. Cool. So we actually don't set age limits for any of our classes. Okay. We just, we're going to talk to you as the parent and say, do you think your kid is mature enough yeah. for this yeah. class? If you do like, mm. great, bring your, like, we'll totally do a class with her. It, it's yeah. it, where there's no lower age limit for the most part. She would always say, Oh, my sisters. Cause I have three girls. My sisters are yeah. the ones that are creative. This one does art and this one sings and this one's that. And I'm like, you tell me that's baking and cooking is creative. It's Even when totally you're following creative. a recipe. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like I spend an inordinate amount of time, like designing my menus for the week. Like that's my source of creativity, yeah. like looking through cookbooks and looking through cooking websites to kind of figure out like, what are we going to eat this week and what plays well together. And if we're having, like we had uh, short ribs last night that mm -hmm. I cooked in kind of an Indonesian rendang style. And I was like, I don't know what goes with that. So coconut oh, rice and yeah. curried green beans oh is like, yeah, it was really good. We got, just, we got some leftovers. I know. Let's, I think we need to, we need to like get this done so we can eat. I'm making myself hungry. So that looks to me like that has reduced by about half. Um, I'm also smelling it cause I want to make sure that we've kind of cooked the alcohol out of it. Nobody needs to I get drunk off of their, <laughs> off of their food. Um, and we're going to, I'm going to add oh, our shrimp in shrimp here in. with my tongs. And the really important thing is that we want these in a single layer and shrimp cooks super, super, super quickly. Um, 
if we don't put it in a nice even single layer, some shrimp are going to be done, yeah, other shrimp are not going to be done. You can see, look, there are yep, already some already that are starting pink. to pink uh -huh. on there. In fact, I'm going to rotate that because we might have like a little bit of a hot spot back there. So I don't want the stuff in the front to cook slower than the stuff in the While back. While you're doing that, Shane, I didn't ask you, how did you get started in this whole, I mean, ranch house meats thing? You didn't just one day like Marguerite go, huh, I really like beef. <laughs> I think I'll open this business. Like there, there has to be a story behind this. There is, I, you know, it, I don't know how intriguing it is, I guess, but um, I grew up on a ranch, Cody, Wyoming. Okay. Uh, so beef, cattle, big, yeah. big part of growing up, um, really enjoyed it. Uh, my dad was the, the foreman there. So, and it costs a lot of money to get in the ag industry, right? And I went on to judge livestock for NWC down in Powell, Wyoming. Um, and they have meat, meats courses in there while you're doing judging livestock. So what, what it looks like from live to what you finish up with is kind of what they're teaching you there. Okay. Um, so it kind of intrigued me to see that. And, uh, I, I, I as well have an entrepreneurial mind. I, I, I love business. That's my biggest passion is business, to yeah. be honest with you. Um, so I worked for several years and uh, decided, you know, it's time to do business. Um, Project Meats out there in Shepherd was a half mile from our house, came up for sale. Okay. I said, you know what, this is kind of right up my wheelhouse. I think that would be a lot of fun. So we, we took it and started running with it. So. And the rest is history. It is, and yeah. shipping it everywhere. Yep, yep. Just in the United States? Currently, I have not crossed any borders right now. But, uh, yeah. That yeah, you know of. Yeah, in, in, in time, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. we've, we've sent jerky to troops over oh, uh, yeah. across That's seas, cool. stuff like that. But other than that, no, we haven't really ventured yeah. outside of that. I'm going to have to come down there and get some of your, your jerky and snack, snack beets. That's what I take backpacking. Yeah. It's only a few nights. It, it's usually pretty safe and okay. It makes it and it's the perfect. Well, and, and our snack sticks are all shelf stable. So oh, yeah, you better. don't have to worry about refrigeration oh or anything like that. So um, that's why it's one of the easiest things we have to sell is yeah. because I don't have to look for a refrigerated truck to move it or anything like that. So. Oh my gosh, I turned my back and you and made it's it beautiful. Done. That is, what did you do? That is how quickly shrimp cooks. That was literally no, but I mean, two it's minutes. Like, it's not in the pan. It's in a beautiful I just, dish. You threw some green <laughs> stuff all over it. What is that? Parsley. Oh my gosh. Parsley. Parsley is not. By the way, parsley appearance. makes everything look beautiful, apparently. It does. Really good. Wait, we got that a nice herbaceous, herbaceous flavor, and then we're just going to finish it off with some lemon juice. Oh. Um, do me, do me a favor, and go ahead and roll this lemon. And I what thought you were going to have me cut it. What you, I will in a moment. What I, what you're doing when you're rolling and pressing on your lemon like yeah. that is you're breaking up all of the little cells inside of there, so it, you get more juice out of There's it so when you cut I it. Don't know. <laughs> you can really like go like press hard. Oh, okay. I think it yeah. I think you probably got it. Now. You got it. Okay. All right now. Cut it in half. Okay. And oh, that's so sharp. Now, which which way would you put that in there? Put this in. Which way would you do it? This way. <laughs> Everybody put 50, their, 50 their lemons in the juicer <laughs> the wrong way. I don't know. How do we describe this for our listeners? Well, so it we just put, looks so backwards right? that way. And then squeeze. And that's how you get oh, dang. way more juice out um, that way. In fact, I'm not even one of these. They're really, really useful. In fact, I'm not even doing, we can get even more out oh, of there. Wow. I just didn't want to over 
Uber-lemonade. This would be very handy for all the cocktails yeah. I make. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> girl after my what own heart. What is this Just called? a juicer, just a lemon juicer, okay. Amco. Um, cool. So that duty. is now done. Oh and my gosh. You got to smell this, Shane. Come smell. It smells pretty amazing to me, but that steak also, oh I think we should cut into that steak and see that. Oh, we'll let you guys beautiful. try some too. <laughs> Shane, why don't you go ahead? We won't be the only ones. Yeah. That's how that that steak is looking. Our poor podcast listeners can't see. You can cut it right on here. You can cut. We have this beautiful wooden cutting board. Another local business, actually. This is Montana Block Company that's based here out of Billings. And you can, in fact, cut meat, even prepare raw meat on a wooden cutting board. Just wash it with a little soapy water afterwards and then treat it with a little bit of white, uh, like white vinegar. That goes against rice. My whole upbringing. You can do it, girl. It's my fine. whole life. Don't cut they have, meat on There wood. have actually been studies <laughs> That's like that show that the, the wood retains fewer pathogens than even plastic. Stop it. Yeah. All the things I'm learning. <laughs> that is my timer to turn the fridge back on. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is gorgeous, Shane. Yeah, that looks really good. I mean, really good. I really should have gotten some nice crusty bread, maybe pop down the street to Le Fournil because we have this like amazing sauce and we have juices yep. coming from our steak as well. We need something to sop it up with. Now, but, is this sauce the consistency that you like or did we rush it a little um, bit? It should be a little thicker. I would, so here's how I would serve this. I, I would actually, I probably wouldn't cook this down anymore. I like the flavor where it's at, mm-hmm. but I would serve this with pasta oh, and I would yes. put a couple, maybe like a quarter cup to a half a cup of the pasta cooking water in there and the starch that's in the pasta oh. cooking water is going to thicken your sauce up and help it stick to everything mm. pro tip everybody should know do not discard at all end? at the end yeah yeah so after you've when you you know you go to the sink and you dump out all of your pasta don't dump away all the water like pull out like a cup first and set that aside doesn't matter what kind of a sauce you're making okay. always save a little bit of the pasta water and add it to the sauce. Okay. It's going to thicken it, help it just glom together on yeah. all those noodles. Okay, listeners, seriously, like so many tips here. Like you, this, this is blowing my mind. Like I need to come to some cooking classes because it is so interesting. And I guess I just don't make the time to do it, but I think that... Yeah. Wow. I just didn't know that pro tip. And now I do. And now we have forks. <laughs> Fork chain. I know. I guess forks. I need some like good crusty bread. I have, to, I have to try this. Our good friend Kira steak. who works with us at the chamber is helping us today. So she's got to come get mm. a bite. Oh, what? Okay. Oh man. That's We're just going to be chewing. Oh wow. Shane. That's the one. Um, one more. Yeah. Got lucky, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> totally. That was all luck right there. Oh, wow. I think it's, I think it's practice That's at really this good. point. Do we have enough for It's really good. Okay. Thank you. And um, so fast. It took no time at all. Yeah. And like I said, I did bring a thick, thinner steak. So, you know, a lot, a lot of our consumers would be a, an inch thick or whatever, but even at that, it doesn't take that long to cook a steak up to medium. Shrimp is looking. That's so good. Still nice. So it's white on the inside. Okay. Cooked, but it's not overcooked. What does overcooked look like? Over, I mean, overcooked is going to be white, but it's going to look really dry in there. And you see this shrimp right here where it's kind of curled up. Yeah. That one's like maybe a little little overcooked. Okay. Yeah. I'm just Mm. not, I'm not even going to cut it. 
Oh, I'm just gonna really need some bread here. <laughs> oh my god. Pasta. So I think this is like a perfect meal with some pasta for like a date mm -hmm. night. Even if you just want to treat yourself. Yeah, treat yourself. You don't need a date. Yeah. Just date yourself. Make it for yourself. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's what we like to do. Like even Valentine's Day almost every year we do shrimp and, and steak and yeah, it's a they go I mean, very well together. Yeah. Why would you go out when you can cook a steak like you mm. just cooked it? <laughs> Seriously. I'm not that good all the time, so you know, sometimes <laughs> I don't want to risk it, right? <laughs> this is awesome. And this whole experience is just another example of why what you said is so spot on that what you get with a small business is that customer service. You get it's just catered to you. I walk into Ranch House Meats, you help me get specifically what I want, and you help me figure it out. Like, and now I know how to cook that steak. So. Well, that's the best opportunity we have as small business owners to um, compete with the big guys is, is our customer service, right? Yeah. Um, giving you that something that you're not going to get across the counter from somebody at a grocery store. You know, these guys are coming there and they enjoy what they do and they want to show you what they do. And, um, you know, we were in here looking at stuff before this podcast started. And I think we had three people come up to us and ask if we needed any help. I mean, that's just kind of the customer service you get at a small business that you just don't get at the big businesses. That's probably the one I did. <laughs> a little shell in there. Hey, nothing wrong with that. In my, in my family's household, my, my dad always uh, shells the shrimp and then my mom cooks them and there's always a shell left in there oh, and yeah. she always points it out to him, <laughs> never lets it slide. <laughs> Is there anything you guys would want to touch on before we finish so that we make sure all the bases of your business are covered? Um, I don't think I talked about our website Ooh, tell us. at all when he was talking tell about it. I was like, I have a website too. Um, so we're online at zestvillings.com. Almost our entire inventory of over 9,000 products is on there and it is very searchable and easy to navigate. Um, you can purchase for in-store pickup if you're in a rush okay. and you know, you don't have time to come in and browse, you find it online, you can go ahead and check out on there. Mm -hmm. We also ship if you want to send something to family or friends. At, or if we have any out-of-state listeners as well. And all of our cooking classes are also listed online. Top of the page, just click on events and classes. I was just going to ask you that, if you could find all of your classes on your Absolutely. website. Absolutely. so cool. And we do private classes as well. So if, it's a, if you have a group you want to get together, a fun team building or family activity, we can build a menu around your group and have just, we had a, like a nice private group charcuterie board class over the holidays. It was so lovely. It was some folks who hadn't seen each other in like 10 Aww. years. It was just heartwarming to be a part of. So we love doing those as well. I think that's a chamber idea. Get the chamber staff. Team building with food. Yeah, as long as I get to eat it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's all. Have you guys ever done any, I mean, podcast aside, we may use this, um, but not, do you guys ever do any like educational things for the community about? So Tanya would love to do that. Um, we just have never had yeah. the opportunity to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, we work insane amount of hours just yeah. like any other small business. So getting it put together, I commend you on that because it is very difficult as a small business owner to be able to find that. The, the thing that we try to do the most is bring young people in, you know, whether it's 4-H okay. or FFA members yeah. or any, any group that would like to tour our plan, see mm -hmm. how things work. I, I think it's a, it's an industry that people don't realize the science behind it, the understanding of, of how this all works and that it's a, 
it, it's actually a cleaner environment than you would expect it to be, yeah. right? Because uh, you're, you're in your mind, it doesn't seem great, but it, it, we work in a very clean, we're USDA mm -hmm. inspected for one thing, but it's just a very clean environment, um, all stainless steel, very top end stuff. And uh, so we try to show that to as many people as we can, um, especially young people, because yeah. we're trying to encourage young people to yeah. come into the industry, um, be part of a trade, mm -hmm. different things like that. Well, the reason I asked is because a couple of weeks ago, we had Twinkie Roots on the podcast. And so their whole system, how they grow using aquaponics was fascinating. And she does school groups all the time and is always teaching people about that process, even though she's technically a small business that sells her product. And so I just wondered if you guys were in that space. So no, not, not at the moment. Just lack of personnel is a lot of it. You know, just if we, we've got so many yeah. other things going on, it's hard to three facilities yeah. and whatnot. It's yeah. just hard to slow everything down. Yeah. yeah. So how, how many employees do you guys have? So right like now, ideal and what you have. So we're, I was going to say that actually. So right now we're at 25 employees currently. Correct. Okay. And, uh, we need to be at 40. Oh, wow. So, okay. um, like my, our facility in Miles City is running about 30% capacity right now yeah. because of lack yeah. of employees. So, um, Shepherd is, isn't too bad because we've automated it so much. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so we've been able to keep yeah. up with demand in that facility yeah. for the most part. So. What about you, Marguerite? Um, we, we have two full-time employees and kind of fluctuates between seasons, but like two to four part-time employees. Mm -hmm. We're pretty lucky that we can run this on a, on a pretty small crew for the right. most part. Um, and we've been also really lucky in terms of hiring. I mostly just ask my employees like, Hey, do you know anyone who's looking for a job? And I think that we well, one of my missions as an entrepreneur is to be able to provide a really rewarding, healthy and mm -hmm. well-paying work environment yeah. for people. So, um, you know, we always, we generally tend to have more applications than, mm -hmm. than yeah. I can fill positions for because we're such a, a small team. Yeah. Um, but I know that isn't the case for, for everyone. And even many very wonderful employers are struggling to find mm -hmm. employees yeah. right now. And I think that it, what you do at Ranch House is it is so important that we have young people that learn mm -hmm. the butchering trades so that this isn't being, well, it already has been consolidated into, yeah. you know, the big five meat packers mm -hmm. and it's really a dying trade. And yes, people look at it and they think, Ooh, that's, that's gross. That's weird. But it's actually really beautiful what mm -hmm. you can learn to, to do with an animal and how to mm -hmm. use an animal. And it's probably starting young is the best way to find yeah. those people yeah. because there's just such an idea that it's, you know, that it's, we, we don't do trades like that anymore mm -hmm. and they can offer really solid livelihoods and a really important connection and service to community because mm -hmm. everybody's got to eat. Mm -hmm. Well, it, you're right about the young thing too. A majority of our employees are young and we've trained them mm -hmm. in-house. So we've done all the in-house training because go find a skilled guy that does what we do yeah. is next to impossible. Yeah. So you have to be willing to stand next to them and show them the ropes mm -hmm. and get them up to speed. And we've had great luck with a lot of the young people we have. We have, we've got guys that have been with us since they were 21. They're 30 something now um, and came right up with us. And we try to take as good a care of them as we can so that they do see value in that trade, you know? And that's how you know that yeah. it's a good place to work. Like if someone's yes. been there for a decade and you don't know what you're doing with your life when you're 21 years old. And yet to be able to have that career follow you and grow with you is a yeah. powerful and wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. So 
Go apply for their jobs, guys. If you're listening, got a young one who needs a job. I literally couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> so at the end of every podcast, we do what's called the Rorschach question. Ooh. So it's like the inkblot test and we hold it up and you just have to say what it is. So I'm going to ask you a question that you weren't prepped on, although I'm really not sure you were prepped on any of those today. Um, and then you just give me your first answer. So Marguerite, what is your favorite thing to grill? Uh, probably vegetables. What? I love doing veggie skewers on the grill. Um, did you know that you can grill lettuce and a grilled kale Caesar salad is fantastic. And I love a good steak on the grill, but you can totally expand your horizons with throwing some veggies on there. Just for future reference, you don't have to ask me, did you know, because I probably don't. (laughs) (laughs) If it has to do with cooking. Fair enough. I don't know. Just giving everyone the benefit of the doubt here. I hate to be that person that's like, yeah, so you can do that. And you're like, yeah, I know. Oh no, I would never. Okay. Shane, what about you? Um, hands down tri-tip. I love tri-tip. Yeah. It's an amazing cut of meat, you know, two and a half pound roast and you cut it up to cook it up to 125, 130, and then you take it in and slice it into slices. You can put it on sandwiches or eat it as it is. Super tender cut of meat that honestly in California is hugely popular. Here in Montana, very few people cook it. So it's amazing. I have so many things I'm going to go try now after this, maybe with my husband's help. Okay. What is one exciting thing coming up for your business? Um, right now we are working on a master plan for our building where we are oh. hoping to renovate back here. And you know, this, this space works for what we're using it for, yeah. but we want this to be a really hands-on demonstration kitchen, enjoyable space where we can also do chef's dinners. And I'm not exactly sure how far down the road that is, mm-hmm. but it is something that we are actively working towards. And we're really grateful for the support of the community mm-hmm. that has made it possible for us to even look at something like that. Yeah, that's super exciting. I'll look forward to that. What about you, Shane? Uh, so something we've been working on for a while and it continues to grow and we're growing it consistently is our production side, right? So we have our own brand, but we also offer the opportunity to make snack sticks, jerky, stuff like that for other people that want to brand their own product. So if you wanted to zest jerky, yeah. we, we could make that jerky. It's got your label on it, those kinds of things. So we're, we're working on a 16,000 foot expansion on our processing facility to expand that out. We'll be in Chicago next uh, month at a big snack show to where we're going to be promoting that um, opportunity. A lot of times we're promoting our own product, but this time we're going to be promoting our services as much as anything. Because a lot of people have great ideas for products, but they don't have the equipment, the machinery, and the capabilities of doing it. So that's where we're going to fill that gap and try to produce more of that kind of stuff and and make that That's exciting too. When do you guys sleep? (laughs) Uh, Very seldom. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, what is one thing you do with your food or in your kitchen that most consumers wouldn't? (laughs) It's like, should I admit that in my own home, I play it pretty fast and loose with food safety? No, just kidding. <laughs> um, I do a lot of home fermentation and, and oh. we, we do see a lot of customers who do that, but I don't think like the average person necessarily does. So if I have some veggies that I'm like, oh, I bought those and I don't know what I'm going to do with them and I need to use them, I will usually just chop them up and I make a brine solution and I throw them in a fermentation crock. And it's a lot like making sauerkraut or kimchi, but just with kind of whatever you have on hand and it, it makes, helps make sure that I'm not wasting yeah. things and it produces some really delicious stuff at the end of the day. I was not expecting that. That's, that's cool. Okay. What about you, Shane? 
Man, I don't know if I have anything good. This is where I've become kind of boring, I guess. I'm a real strong meat and potatoes kind of guy, you know, green beans, corn, that kind of stuff. And that's just who I am, the way I grew up. So I don't know that I have anything too exciting that I bring to the table. Mine would be cutting meat on a wood cutting block. <laughs> yeah, you do that, girl. Today. Okay, last question. Favorite cut of beef and favorite non-beef meat? Um, I love oxtail. It is, I'm a, I'm like, if I can braise it, if I can leave that thing in the oven for like six hours and walk away, I want to cook it. So really? Yeah. Oh, I love it. And I really judge. you know, short ribs are cooked similarly to oxtail a lot of time and they do have more meat on them. But I think that oxtail has significantly better flavor personally. And you get a lot of the marrow out of the oxtail when you cook it low Mm -hmm. and slow for just hours on end. So winter rolls around and I'm, I'm like traveling all over town to try to find oxtail. Cause it's not always the easiest thing. <laughs> you to might find. have to source some oxtail. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I bet you have it. I, have I'm sure oh, there you I know. Go. I bought it from, from you when you were still on, on yeah. grand. And unfortunately uh, I, I live downtown and I work downtown. So I don't, don't make it out of Washington too often, really but I, I got to get that oxtail. So, um, that sounds weird. <laughs> Um, and then my favorite, favorite, you say, so you said favorite non-beef cut of meat, non-beef meat. Um, yeah, this is a Jack question. I love lamb so, so much. I get most of my lamb from, um, high five meats, which is another oh. local company. They're fantastic. And again, like if I can leave it in, in the oven for a long period mm-hmm. of time at a low temperature, like that's what I want to do. So I do a lot of lamb shanks. Okay. All right. Shane. Um, straight up. It's a toss up between a ribeye and a tri-tip. I mean, I, I, I love a ribeye. I know it's it's a fatter cut of meat, but it's the flavor's phenomenal on it nine times out of 10, but that tri-tip is absolutely great. And being how a lot of people in Montana don't eat it, I usually have plenty of it to take home when I want. Okay. Um, so I, I do like that. As far as, uh, here I go being simple again, my outside of beef, I'd, I'd just say bacon. I mean, okay. or, or pork, or pork belly in general. It doesn't even have to be bacon. Yeah, you know, yeah. the the smoked bacon. It could be uh, pork belly that's been and braised and or cooked, however um, yeah. seasoned up. I think pork belly. But there again, there's another fat piece of meat. So you know, it's all in what you like, I guess. So I mean, I think we talked about the the. I don't have a gallbladder, so I get to eat little small portions of this fatty yeah. meat you're talking about. But yeah. I still try it. So, well, thank you so much for allowing us to come into zest to cook to learn about your businesses you guys are super fun i kind of want to just do this all the time now it Got might it. just change our whole just have a pudding, <laughs> cooking podcast we i think we've proven hey. that we can cook on a podcast i so. mean you might be on to something yeah. but really thanks you guys for being on the show oh thank you and this is a great story everybody ought to come check it out there's a lot of stuff in here Thanks so much to Shane and Marguerite for joining us today and for this amazing food. Thanks to Jack Genoway for producing and a special thank you to Kira Cousins for the production assistance for this episode. Please tell us if you liked the format of this particular episode and if you'd like to hear more like it. You can email us at podcast at billingschamber.com. And don't forget to subscribe to Chambercast wherever you get your podcasts because there's something here for everyone.